Turn to page 204, first and last. Sometimes you got to remember uh, that that life is about bigger things than just us. It's you know we've often said that it's about Jesus, and it's definitely the way we need to focus. And being unselfish, being unselfish means putting others ahead of yourself. There was a very Neat. This is spring training, and well, baseball season has begun, but also spring training in football. Ran across a very inspirational story, a young seven-year-old battling brain cancer. And we have a lot of people that are battling cancer in various forms. And uh, in any time that you can help somebody out that's less fortunate than you, it's a good thing. It's always a good thing. Uh, neat story I want to share with you. Kenneth, go ahead and click that uh, inspirational story. No, University of Nebraska. Share this with you. He's wearing the number 22, guys. It is Jack Hoffman of Team Jack coming out of the field right now in this fourth down and short. For the red team. Jack Hoffman has been adopted really by this football team. A young man who has battled brain cancer. He's on the field right now for the Huskers. One more snap for Taylor Martinez, too, who will hand it off to Jack. So Taylor gets the shotgun set, gives it to Jack. Here he goes. He's got blockers out in front. There he goes. running the midfield. Listen to this crowd. As Jack Hoffman, a young man. That, as I mentioned, has really been adopted by this football team to score a touchdown. Oh, wow. What a moment. And both benches empty. That, that was a moment right there. Wow. Goosebumps. All right. Pretty neat story. That just happened recently. I'm talking about this week. I believe it did. Kind of neat. Ran across that story. And it, i tell you what. Whether it's a football team being generous or kind, being compassionate, uh, we talked a little bit of that, about that in our class time, uh, putting others ahead of yourself, being unselfish, any time, and it could be just a phone call. 
It could be just, uh, and this was also obviously an extraordinary effort to to have this young man get out there and imagine whether it be a, a Arkansas Razorback game or some other uh, kind gesture where you given a person an opportunity to shine that normally wouldn't get that opportunity. Let's continue our study in First Peter. You know, and speaking of that, the reason that any of us would want to be uh, to to behave that way is because the power of a changed life is because Jesus Christ is inside of me and you, and you want to be different. Uh, you should have that desire. If you're saved, I want to be different. Now, folks, all of us now can remember that uh, either a somebody's life was radically changed, and even maybe your own whenever you came to know the Lord. Now, some of you may got, you may have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you may not, uh, have totally given your life or your heart to Him. Now, we're going to begin in, uh, chapter 2 as we look to this and just, uh, we probably won't get that far tonight, but 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, and we're just going to stay here for a while. We're going to look at some other verses that go along with it, but it says this, wherefore, Laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Now this, what this is, of course, is you remember that we were studying about the Word of God. And the Word of God, if you have your Bible open or if you're just thinking about it, the Word of God endureth forever. This is the thing we live by. The gospel is preached unto you. And he goes on, so wherefore? Wherefore, laying aside all malice, I'm, I'm going to, because the Word of God has changed me, because I want to live different, and uh, I want to move on. If I lay this aside, now, I just want to look ahead just a second. If I'm laying something aside, it means I, I have my eyes on something else. And it is a relationship with Him, the Word of God. And I just want to talk about desiring the Word of God for a little while uh, tonight. You know, Peter listed in this verse here, some have called and described this as five sins of attitude and speech. Five sins of attitude and speech. If you harbor any of these five sins in your life, it will drive a wedge between you and others. These five things are all attitudes, are all speeches, okay? Since I've got my mic, I'm looking through this at some of y'all. So there we go, move that out of the way. All right. So let's just break these down. So this sounds pretty important. Matter of fact, I don't think that the Apostle Peter would have penned these if he didn't want us and the Holy Spirit of God didn't want us to know about them. All right, so let's just take off quickly. Malice, first of all, let's just look at it. It says, uses this word in the King James Bible, the word malice. Simply means this is wicked, ill will, sometimes called guile. And, uh, and there's another verse that refers to this in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. The word malice. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, 
blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. He goes on to list some other things that we should stop doing. <clears throat> so, malice. You know, I think about that. That Boy, that just sounds bad. Uh, they have malice. Oh, well, basically, is this is that <clears throat> I desire for something bad to happen to somebody else. Now, that, think about that. Now, I want to mention this is that as long as you and I are in the flesh, as long as you are living on planet Earth in this flesh, you will have these a little bit in your life. All, I mean, it'll come out and you say, well, it's kind of like this. It's, uh, you know, one thing my my uh, my dad's facing right now, my memo Reese is just, uh, she's had some many strokes and so she's had a lot more confusion lately and everybody's been having to stay with her now. And she's no longer driving. So when you stop driving, it's definitely a life change. And she's there now. And I remember going through that process with Brother Don, you know, and and uh, different things and uh, seeing that from afar anyway. And, uh, and I remember going through that with my granny, uh, my different ones that, that you pass that point. And there's a life change. And uh, my mama, last time she drove, when we were there this past Christmas, she met us in Nacogdoches, Texas. And Karen rode with her. Karen said it was the scariest thing she had ever done in her life for to make that 40-minute trip because nobody was going to come between Memma and me. She was following me. And if there was a little space and a, another car started getting between us, I'm not letting them get between us. Ah! And she would zoom up, you know, eight feet. Three feet, one foot from my rear bunk. I couldn't see because the travel trailer was back there. But anyway, and so, and then if, and if they did that, then my memo would, in a small scale, she would said, I just hope they run off the road. <laughs> you know, just something a little, but you know, basically that's malice. When you hope something bad happens to somebody else, and it may be, it may be something like, uh, somebody, it is mean to you, and this is the thought. Well, I hope the good Lord gives them what they have coming. But you know what that is? That's our flesh, and guess what that is? That's it's in the Bible. It's called malice. That's what it is. Move on to the next one. Okay, lay aside that, and also lay aside uh, guile. Guile is now. I mentioned that earlier. Now it's guile. Guile is also called deceit, and it's also, somebody may say, well, they have guile. You know what it means? They're sneaky. They're also crafty. It's all, but in a bad sense, it's deliberate dishonesty. It's mentioned later in this book, in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 10, it says, uh, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. In other words, I, don't, I need to be honest. I, need, I don't need to be deceitful. And so there's things that, and all of this is a thing of speech. Am I honest before others? I need to lay aside malice and also need to lay aside guile or deceit. We need to be honest in our communication 
And moving on to the next one. So I'm laying aside malice. I'm laying aside guile. And then I lay aside hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy, there's several things that's, uh, that are, it's a pretend. The word is, um, uh, in the original, it says hypocrite. It almost sounds like where we get our word, hypocrite. Playing a part, pretended love. Here in Matthew chapter 23, and uh, the Word of God is uh, all the woes that Jesus pronounced on the uh, Pharisees, and they were some bad ones. But here, he points to the inside. He talked about some of their deeds, but now he points to an attitude. In Matthew chapter 23, beginning with verse 27, the Word of God says, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Folks, do y'all think tombs might have an aroma? Do you think if we dug up a grave, there might be an aroma there? Jesus was saying these guys were full of that. They were. were. It says that's what hypocrisy is. And then it says, notice verse 28. Notice, Remember what I said this word meant? Now, Peter said to lay aside this. Even so outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Uh, folks, all of us are guilty of hypocrisy to a varying degree. Hypocrisy is this. It's, all it is is pretending to be something we're not. And we all p- put on a show. I've kind of st- used this before, speaking of hypocrisy. And that is, you know, you know, is have you ever had somebody at, over at your house and you just said, Hey, make yourself at home. Well, in that case, I'll just, where's my pajamas, you know? <laughs> you know, give my house slippers and my robe and, and uh, this and that one time. And a lot of times I have, I've just felt real at home at somebody's house the very first time, or not the very first time, probably the second or third time. I went over, I was, I lived several miles away from my preacher friend that preached here several years ago, his home, Adrian Neal, Adrian Tracy Neal. And I think they had one little kid then. And I, so I got on my 10 speed bike and I was get, trying to get some exercise and I took off and, uh, and I biked up to their driveway. I said, Oh, this is a great rest stop. I can get it. Man, I'm thirsty. I forgot to bring anything to drink. And, uh, and anyway, I knocked on the door. Uh, Adrian answered. He said, hey, Michael, how you doing? I said, hey, how you doing? Walked in there, grabbed a glass out of the cabinet, poured it in the sink. Said, he said, make yourself at home. I said, I am. <laughs> I didn't even ask for water. I just went and served myself because he's my friend. He and I are exact same age. We just think alike, do alike, da-da-da. But I, I didn't even ask for water. I just went in. I, I was opening cabinets. Oh, there's the glasses. <laughs> you know, There's the sink. I got some water. I was thirsty. And uh, they they talked about that story for a long time. But then I'll never forget whenever he called me up and they was wanting somebody to come pray for him. And uh, their son was being rushed to Houston Children's, uh, Texas Children's Medical Center. And I followed them down there and, and stayed with them up all night long. Because... 
I felt at home with them. But when do you feel at home with somebody? But a lot of times we, we don't and we pretend to be somebody we're not. But when you lay it out there on the line, you care for others, you don't pretend to be something you're not. Oh, oh, by the way, and it says it in several places, there's another word in the King James Bible, is a word called unfeigned. The word unfeigned, it says unfeigned love. And it says so you need to lay aside uh, hypocrisies and also unfeigned love. You know what that is? It says it several times in King James Bible. Unfeigned love means, I, I say in redneck terminology, we'd say not faked love. But it means pretending to love somebody when you really don't. You say, well, who would I do that to? A lot of times we as Christians, we, we pretend we love people, but we never really show it. We say we love people. We even say how much we love the Lord, and we really don't show it like we should. Moving on to the next one, and uh, back in... Uh, our text here, lay aside, okay, we're laying aside malice, we're laying aside guile, we're laying aside hypocrisies. Now we're going to lay aside envies. Now, envies is uh, sometimes labeled as resentful, discontent. It's also to incur jealousy or dislike, especially, this word especially hits home, when you see good things happen to other people. When other people are blessed or good things happen, guess what? A lot of times we'll have envies. Folks, all these, all of these, are, what are they? Why would, why would Peter say lay these aside? Because they're a product of our flesh. Our flesh naturally, and I said, man, how, why'd they get a raise? What, man, they got something free. Man, I can't believe that. You know, I love to get things on sale. I love it when Karen finds things on sale. You know, she says, but Michael, it's, I saved every how much money, you know. You know, and so that's great when good things happen. I just can't believe that happened to you. And a lot of times, hey, listen, all of us, if you would be perfectly honest, we have this, man, I wish that happened to me. But our second thought, if you're saved, should be, I'm glad that happened to them. You see what I mean? Be honest with yourself. A lot of times, man, I like, but I mean, and it may be one minute, it may be one second. Between the first thought, man, why did that happen to me? To, I'm glad that happened to them. But that, what that is, is number one, our flesh reacts, then our spirit kicks in. And our spirit envies, that's exactly why Peter said to lay it aside. Now, of course, envies, I have here uh, James, which is just a little ways back uh, in your Bible. James chapter 4 and verse 5, the Bible says, Do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit dwelleth in us, the Spirit that, that dwelleth in us, Lusteth, let's change that word. Does it, it, what it, another synonym is all it is. Desireth to what? Envy. Desireth to envy. Now I've already described that to you. Our flesh does that. Okay? Moving on. To the last one, evil speakings. Evil speakings, boy, there's a bunch of synonyms that slander, backbiting, lies. 
um, hostile speech, uh, just all it is is mean speech. Another subcategory of this would be gossip. And it's something that we all have done. And some, most of the time, it's a habit with people. Gossip is a habit. It's, uh, when, you know, the old adage, folks, it's true if you can't say something good about somebody. That's right. Don't say anything at all. That is a great habit to have. It's a great habit to have to, to, to put that up and say, you know what? Even if you listen to a little bit, didn't you realize you listen to somebody and you realize they're gossiping? Did you know what I heard? I, so-and-so said that they heard. When it gets to that right there, just, you know, you know, we probably, until we talk to them face to face, we probably don't need to say anything about that. <laughs> we probably just need, and guess what? Should, let me ask you something, let me ask you something. Should we as Christians set the example with this? Uh, is, is this making us feel a little uncomfortable? <laughs> you know what I mean? If we, we should set the example with this, shouldn't we? And think, you know, if so, if so, if so I heard that so and so said, and they say, well, that uh, Tim Tebow scored a touchdown. Well, that's not gossip. But y'all know what it is. Y'all have common sense just as much as anybody else in this world. And you know when somebody is saying something that's evil speaking. And it just could be something little. It could just be something like, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And they're going to so-and-so. And they're going, and they broke up. And they don't like each other. And this is mean. And that, did you know so-and-so said this? And so-and-so said that? And so, ah... Now we have a whole new other way. You know, they didn't even have uh, all this electronic means of communication back then. Listen to me. They didn't have all these electronic means of communication, but I guarantee you there was just as much gossiping back then as we do now. And they had a grapevine that uh, these cell phones couldn't touch. They, I don't know how it worked, but I guarantee you before Paul got back to Jerusalem or Peter got back to Jerusalem, it had beat him there. I guarantee you. I don't know how, but it happens. And so, of course, the one that goes with that one is uh, 2 Corinthians. And uh, real quick, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. The Word of God says this. There we go. For... I fear lest when I come, this is at the end of his last book that he wrote to him, that if I come to you such as I would, that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, and swelling tumults. It sounds like a lot of stuff going on at church at Corinth that didn't need to be going on and peter paul they all said to lay this aside now finally let's look at first peter chapter one and verse two i mean chapter two verse two all right it says as newborn babes desire and the word desire their very interesting word is a command as newborn babes you need to desire the what the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby now, a lot of us think about this. Now, I, want, I want to do a little footnote, a little disclaimer here. Now, I'm fixing to carry you in just a second over there 
to places where the Word of God is alluded to as food. And one of the places is, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, we're not going there yet. But it says there, it says that I fed you with meat and you could not, so I'm going to give you some milk. But don't think that Peter's putting them down here. He's not. This is not a put down. It's not saying, well, you're just a babe in Christ. That's why you need milk and you can't handle the T-bone steak. No, no. He's not alluding to the milk. What's he alluding to? As newborn babes, you need to desire the milk. So Peter was giving them an instruction. This was not a prohibition. This was not a put down. This was not you're spiritually immature. This was, hey, you and I need to hunger and thirst after, Jesus said, hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he says, as newborn babes, love milk. You need to love the Word of God. And the word desire is a good thing. It's a good thing. And uh, to desire, as newborn, newborn babes, desire the sincere milk. The sincere milk just means pure unadulterated remember Nathaniel Hawthorne's classic book and uh, the, the scarlet letter had to wear the A adultery used to be looked down upon it still is but it's definitely not like it used to be and so it says here, when it says the sincere, the word means unadulterated, pure, undefiled. And that's what we want our, don't we want our spouse to be sincere and pure? Don't we want, uh, it's kind of like the, uh, when we read the word of God, we want the word of God to be not tainted. And so we want it the closest, most accurate part of the Word of God that we can have. All right? God's Word has life. God's Word gives life. And God's Word nourishes life. And this is what we should long for. This is what we should desire. And it here says, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Let's head, wrapping up. Don't have too much longer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. These are verses talking about the Word of God being alluded to as food. Uh, this is called strong meat, 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Now, of course, this is a negative connotation. It says in verse 3 that they're carnal. For there is many... Hey, listen to me. Look at this. For there's many among you still envying... Haven't we had these before? Envying, strife, divisions. He says, you don't even walk like a man. Verse 4, for one saith, I'm Paul, I'm Paulus. And are you not carnal? Uh, Matthew 4, 4, just backing up a little ways. In Matthew 4, 4, the Word of God is alluded to as bread. Jesus Himself spoke these words when He said, uh, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus called Himself, matter of fact, the bread of life. In uh, Psalms chapter 119, 
and verse 103. It's uh, the word of God is like honey. Oh, man, I like this. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth, the word of God. And then finally, back in our text in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 3, it says, If so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. And now what it means is the word tasted is another word that's used in Hebrews and the book of Hebrews and also a couple other places. And uh, the word tasted there literally means this. It's pretty neat. It means just to begin, to, just to get it in your mouth, to begin to... It doesn't even mean to swallow yet. It doesn't even mean to... It just means you've just begun to experience it. That's kind of a neat word. You've tasted that the what? That the Lord is what? He's gracious. That's a pretty cool word too. You know what that... What what have you heard churches... Maybe you've heard churches say this. I don't know. Uh, God is good. All the time. God is good. He's good. And did y'all know what this verse means literally? You've tasted that the Lord is gracious. He's good. He's excellent. He's awesome. The word gracious there means fulfilling. Uh, he's everything you need. He's good. He's pleasant. He is, uh, and the word fulfilling means that He is all you need. So He's gracious. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, I ask you tonight, this is what I want you to consider. What are, your, what are you desiring? Brother Michael, what did you preach about tonight? Desiring the Word. That's what I preached about. That's what these three verses are about. That I need to crave. Did y'all know what? Uh, you know, I, you know the, it says, As the newborn babe desires the sincere milk of the Word, all it means is, is I want it, you know, if I'm drinking milk, I want it cold. <laughs> just the way you know i want it i want it cold I, and i don't want i don't like this don't give me none of this skim half percent if we're if we're drinking milk let's do the real thing all right at least two percent the other's water okay <laughs> and uh so you know what we don't we don't need skim word of the god do we <laughs> we need i want the the real stuff that's it full blown milk and, but all it means is, again, it's not a put-down like Paul used it. The desire is what he was talking about. A baby gets hungry. By the way, Jesus cried. Did you all know that? When he was a baby, he cried. Because babies cry when they're what? When they're hungry or their diaper needs to change or and a host of other reasons I know. But those are all good things you need to do. You need to feed them <laughs> and you need to change the diaper. All right? But guess what? They desired it. That's right. They desire it. What do we desire today?